Hey guys, welcome back to Devoted Devotions. For those of you who are new, I hope you enjoy our Bible study. Psalms 119 verses 133 Order my steps in your word and let no sin have rule over me. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your word says that the preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Help us prepare our hearts by being in your word every day and obeying your laws. Help us prepare our hearts by worshipping you and giving thanks to you in all things. May you fill our hearts with love, peace and joy so that it will flow from our mouths. I pray that you would give us the words to say every time we speak and may you show us when to speak and when not to. And that when we do speak, that you may give us the words that will bring life and edification. Words that do not steer us off the course you have set for us. May you pour out your spirit once more, Holy Father. We ask this in the mighty name of your Son, who died for us on the cross of Calvary. We pray. Amen. In the previous episode, we looked at the importance of taking God's word as truth and standing firm on it being unmoved. We also learned that the parameters that God has set in place, the parameters that he's given us, protect us from unsavory life experiences caused by disobedience. We are safe when we are within them. Lastly, we talked about why the cross is so important and the role it plays in appeasing God's wrath. Today's topic is about something I think we all struggle with. We like to be in control. We want to be in charge of our lives. And you know social media is always shoving the concept of being your own boss down our throats. I've gone from having a detailed 10-year plan specifying exactly what I need to achieve in my life to literally not knowing where I'm going. I mean, ultimately, yes, I want to be with my father in heaven. But I mean, I'm talking about on this side of heaven. To the point where I get a bit frustrated when people ask me what's going on because, dude, even me, I don't know. And as time goes on, God is teaching me that all the plans that I make outside of him will ultimately fail. You have to make plans that are in line with his will for you because if you don't, then it won't prosper. Have you ever kept failing at something? And every single time you try again, you meet resistance. I'm not saying that meeting resistance means that you shouldn't do something. I'm just saying that it's an opportunity to check in with God. Check in with him. Ask him to show you if this is a character building experience or if it's a war. I've just had to reflect and really structure my whole life because I realized that my life didn't belong to me. And so everything that I want to do, all the career goals that I wanted to achieve, literally didn't matter, especially if they were going to distract me from God's purpose for my life. So we're going to look at the importance of being a disciple, the boat, why boats are so important in the Bible, and really just get into what the narrative of the various accounts is trying to teach us. We'll do so by looking at the book of Matthew, Acts and James, 
and there are quite a few references in this one so you might want to pause along the way matthew chapter 13 verses 10 and 11. okay so in this chapter jesus gave the parable about the sower and the seed and after the parable was given the disciples go to him and they ask him why he always speaks in parables and he answers in verses 11 and says because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given this is really important because when jesus is speaking to everyone he speaks to everyone in a parable but only the disciples understand the meaning of the parable and when you go down to verses 18 to 23, it gives the meaning of the parable. This always stands out to me because it means that we can read the Bible and what we get is completely different to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. You know, they'll always be reading the Bible to find things wrong with it or to try and pick apart at it. But we get to know the deeper meanings, us as the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's given to us to know the meanings. It's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it's not given. And so I would urge you to take your discipleship very seriously. If people knew how precious it was, they would do anything to be in your position. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22. And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. For this episode, I really want us to look at the narrative because when we read the stories written and the accounts and the experiences of all the people and the characters that we meet in the Bible, we always focus on the literal things that happen in their lives. But we miss the narrative that pulls everything together sometimes. And that's what my focus is going to be for this episode today. We're looking at the narrative. This says Jesus constrained his disciples to get onto a ship. The NIV says Jesus made his disciples get onto the ship. His disciples really didn't have a choice. And he tells them that they will meet together on the other side. Why does he do this? In John 5 verses 19, it assures us that everything Jesus does is what the Father told him to do. Why does the Father tell Jesus that he needs to get his disciples on a ship and meet them on the other side? He makes his disciples get onto the boat. Now, what is the boat? Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 6 verses 18. But with you, I will establish my covenant and you will come into the ark. It's a picture of the people God had established his covenant with in the beginning. In the time of Christ, it means the same thing. And for those of us who are under the new covenant, the principle of the boat still applies. Those that were in the ark lived. Those that were in the boat lived. The boat is a picture of our lives. The boat is a picture of the church. And it can also be a picture of the ministry. The things that we do to follow Jesus. Are you getting on the boat? There's a boat in every dispensation. A person's survival was linked to which boat they were in. 
Luke chapter 5 verses 3 talks about how Jesus was teaching from the boat that Simon gave him. They gave Jesus their boat. Before Simon was a disciple or an apostle, he let Jesus have his boat. The first interaction he had with Jesus, he gave up his boat. And Jesus taught from his boat. Matthew 8 verses 23. And when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Only his disciples followed him. In Matthew 28 verses 19, he tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, not to gather believers. Jesus is looking for disciples because the disciples are the ones who go into the boat with him. Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 to 24. And when he entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm and the sea, insomuch that the storm was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. When you get into the boat, trouble is going to hit. Ultimately, things will work out, right? But when you decide to seek the Lord, a storm brews. And if you stay on the shore, it's just a windy day. But when you're in the boat with Jesus, something will try to stop you. Be it the church, be it your family, be it your job, something will rise up against you. You will meet resistance. We always question why bad things are happening, why we need massive opposition over simple things. But when you make that decision to follow Jesus, you will meet massive opposition. And we see how Jesus is in this boat and the storm brews. And the disciples just start to panic. And they panic because they didn't think that they would experience a storm. They thought because they had Jesus with them, that there wouldn't be any storms. And we see this because when Jesus wakes up, he rebukes them. He doesn't congratulate them. It's a very strange thing because, you know, we're taught that whenever there's a problem, we need to call on the name of the Lord. Whenever there's a problem, we need to call on the name of the Lord, call on that mighty name. And that's exactly what the disciples did. So why were they getting rebuked? Because they didn't have faith. Why could Jesus calm the storm? Why did he have that power? And what was he doing during the storm? The Bible tells us that Jesus slept. And he's teaching us that you have to learn to be at rest in God and not panic every single time there's a storm. And that if you can't rest in God during the storm, you'll never have authority over it. He's teaching us not to worry about storms because at the end of the day, Jesus is in the boat. And if he's in the boat, it will not sink. No matter what will happen, come what may, that boat will not sink because Jesus is in it. If we look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 24, now this is a different storm. The type of storm where it's hard to carry on. You'll see that they were rowing the whole night and not really getting anywhere. And when he immediately gets in the boat... It just 
dies down. Another assuring illustration that when Jesus is in your boat, when Jesus is in your life, when he's in your church and your ministry, the storm will dissipate. He has authority and power over it. Another thing that's really special about the boat is that the first time his disciples worshipped him was inside one. Matthew 2 verses 11. Okay, this is something I think is also just equally as important. If we could turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 27 verses 10 and 11. This is when Paul gives advice not to go out into the water and sail. Sir, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only for the ship, but also for our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. What we see here is that these men sail against the advice of the apostle. And if, if you read verses 44, you'll see that ultimately the boat sinks and breaks into pieces. God will always put a man of God to give his instruction. But did they listen? No. The owner of the ship and the pilot thought that they knew more than sailing than the apostle Paul did. And they were probably right because remember Paul was a tent maker. What does he know about sailing? But God is teaching us something here. This is something that we tend to do as Christians. We push aside God's word because, oh, it's my ship. I know what I need to do. It's my life. I can make these decisions. People literally follow their mind, emotions, and their will. These two verses illustrate how there are people who hear God's word and still follow their own will. The ship was going in the right direction. In Acts chapter 23 verses 11, they were right to go because God had sent them. But God said, not yet. God told them to wait. And they didn't wait because they knew best. And ultimately, the whole ship was destroyed. It's very fascinating how this story depicts the subtle ways that we disobey God. Paul advised them. And they didn't even regard what he was saying. And they were shipwrecked because of impatience. Let's turn to the book of James to tie this whole thing together. James chapter 3 verses 4 to 6. Or take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. James explains to us that the ship goes where the pilot wants it to go. In Acts, we saw that the ship went because the pilot and the owner of the ship wanted to go. Even though it was against what the man of God was saying. 
he also zooms into this narrative that we're given and explains how the tongue is the one that steers this ship of ours. Our tongue steers our lives. It steers the church. This is so profound. Christians wreck their boat. They speak what they think should happen. God is telling us through James's writings that we should not be speaking of our own opinions. If we do, then our ship will ultimately crash. Our words are not ours. Our words should be the words that are given to us through the Holy Spirit. And so for our lives as well, when we disregard what a man of God or a man sent by God tells us, we're ultimately headed for shipwreck. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, Holding faith, having a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. This talks about good believers who start to say their own thing. This is an extension of what James was warning us about. The same way a ship is redirected by the rudder, these men redirected the course of the church by speaking their own words. And can you imagine how bad it was? Because it doesn't even tell us what they said. So we need to be very careful with the things that we listen to because if that minister is not speaking the words given to them by the Holy Spirit, they will redirect the course of your life, ultimately leading you to shipwreck. But you know what's beautiful is that in Acts chapter 27 verses 34 to 38 illustrates the saving power of God. He saved the people on the ship, but the ship went down. I hope all of these things came together nicely in this clear picture, showing us that the Bible is not about your goals and your ideas fundamentally. It's about God's goals and God's ideas. And God's goal might not be to give you the house or the car or the family situation that you want. And if you can't accept that, it's probably because you've made an idol of those things. You're not in love with God. You're in love with his blessings. As followers of God, as disciples of Christ, our goals should be to make God's achievements bear out in the world and not to fixate on our own dreams and our own desires. Just to recap before we end off, we need to give our boats to him. The disciples had a more intimate relationship with Jesus. They got to see the miracles, they were taught all the mysteries, but this didn't exempt them from experiencing the storms. And we need to remember that when those storms come, Jesus is in the boat with us. We need to have faith in him. We need to have faith in the creator God. Lastly, we need to learn to take advice from people that God sends. Let's not write people off because we think they're not qualified or we think just because they're not in our same financial status or maybe they're not old enough to tell you what um, you need to be told ignoring such advice may lead to shipwreck man's qualifications often doesn't equate to spiritual wisdom dear jesus 
We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to read your word. We ask that you may take over our lives, Father. We give them to you. We ask that you may take charge of our boats. We ask that you may take charge of our churches and our families, Father. May your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us in all that is right. Father, may you give us the ears to listen and hear when people that you have sent into our lives advise us against the things that we should not do. We ask that you may be with our tongues, Father, that we might not speak words that steer us off the course that you have set for us. We pray this, Father, in your mighty name. Amen. And so, you know the drill. We're always learning together. We aren't in this alone. I just hope we see the importance of being led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for our church leaders. Let's pray for the heads of our households and pray that we ourselves may stay on the course that God has given to us. If you've enjoyed this message, please like and share. And if you have any suggestions for topics that you'd like to be discussed, please drop me an email at devoteddevotions311 at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Stay blessed.